Um, I have a, so the book recommendations, does it, is it like Bard only or could it be from anywhere? No, it can be from anywhere. I've done Audible. I've done Kindle okay. books. Okay. Oh, and Phoebe. I wonder where Phoebe is. Good point. Oh, someone. About two till. Oh, it's two minutes till. Okay. About. I guess we can start. It's almost time, and then people can show up. Um, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Book Group, brought to you by Julia, yours truly, and, of course, Accessible World. I'm very happy to have some new people, or, well, David isn't new, but he hasn't been here in ages, and Cindy, it's her first time, so yay. And Marshall, the regular, and hopefully Phoebe will show up at some point, and Maybe Remy will show up and maybe not. So, but either way, we've got a little crowd going. So, um, so who wants to go first? Um, I can if you want. Okay, sure. The first book I'd like to talk about, and I will focus more on it, is called The Liar's Knot. It's the second book in the Rook and Rose trilogy. And it's a sequel to The Mask of Mirrors. The Mask of Mirrors is on board. The Liar's Knot is, isn't yet. I'm reviewing it for Library Journal. We've returned to the same world. It's I think it's pronounced Nadezhra, the city. It's similar to Renaissance Venice. It's this elaborate fantasy world with two different magic systems. One is similar to the tarot card deck. The other one is a sort of geometrical system that combines numerology, rune lore, and sacred geometry. In this world, we have Wren, who is passing herself off as the cousin to a noble house because she wants she's an orphan and she wants to better herself. She was a, was a maid at the house of a woman who in another country who was the sister to the head of a noble house in Nadezhra. You've got several different countries. Oh, there's your uh, Remy. You've got several countries going on. You've got plots within plots going on. You've got some strange religions going on. Nikki Masood is the narrator. And it's interesting, Rin, who is a con artist, when she passes herself off as a noble woman, speaks in a sort of upper class British accent. When she's passing herself off as a sort of uh, street person, in one of the street gangs that this city is known for. She speaks in a sort of Central European Slavic accent. The accents are interesting. The world building is interesting. And if anybody likes this long sort of epic fantasy, each novel runs over 23 hours, you're certainly welcome to take a peek. The, the Liar's Knot isn't out on board yet, but it is on, um, it is on Audible. And the um, other book, the Mask of Mirrors is out on board. I briefly wanted to mention two series I've enjoyed. One is the Black Witch Chronicles by Laurie Forrest. It's in a world. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you just, you, so you know it. It's an elaborate world that deals a lot with prejudice, with different races 
um, well, one fa- ma- main race hating on several other races of elves and different things. The world building is interesting. It's elaborate. I'll be curious to see how it, um, how it all turns out. There's supposed to be another series, the Wyvern. I believe it's called the Wyvern. That's going to be a sequel series as though one series wasn't enough. I've learned in fantasy, you can have a multi-volume series. By the way, the Rook and the Rose will be a trilogy not a multi-volume series. A trilogy to me is long enough. But anyway, the Black the Black Witch Chronicles, I believe, is a multi-volume series, and it will have a sequel series. And as I said, it deals with, with the woman who is purported to be the Black Witch. Her grandmother was this notorious Black Witch who helped destroy several neighboring countries because they felt that these people were subhuman. So as I said, it deals a lot with human rights issues in a fantasy context. The other series is the, um, let me see, The Book of the Ancients by Mark Lawrence. And the first book is um, The Red Sister. It's a four book series. I'm waiting to read the fourth one. I don't think it's out yet. And theirs is a strange world with, I think, a red sun and only the center of the world. A band around its equator is habitable. The rest is locked in ice. And it's this um, sort of warrior nun and warrior monk society. It deals with how these people interact with their world, how there are four very distinct races. And there seems to be some sort of interstellar visitor. They talk about um, some artifacts that come from somewhere else. So we, we don't, I don't really know how it's finishing. Some of these books don't tell you everything, though they manage to do it in hundreds and thousands of pages. And you have to read the entire series to try to understand everything. And sometimes you read the entire series and you still are not quite sure. And you have to reread, then check Goodreads, then check the author's websites, and then you might understand everything. I'll, let, I'll stop now. Pardon? I said, I hope I'm never that kind of author. I agree. But (laughs) but some authors are like they elaborately world build, and there might be a brief mention of a character in volume one who won't reappear until volume three, but may have a major role in volume three. So you kind of have to go back sometimes and play catch up and reread stuff. And I hate to reread. I really do, because I have so many books that I want to read that I have to really, really like a book to go back and reread it. And I'll talk like previously on books, like things should be really more prevalent in books. And I don't know why we don't see that. I've seen it like several times in my entire reading. Uh, oh, I know what experience. you mean. Now the, the second book, the liar's not in that Rose and Rook trilogy. She does have at the beginning a, a bit of the story thus far. She kind of helps you out. Yeah, kind of. That's the thing. And a lot of the time, a lot of the time they just, instead of just, you know, giving you a, a recap, like, you know, a series might do um, like TV or whatnot, they will just give you like little bits and pieces here and there, which is fine sometimes. But sometimes it's just nice to have like a full, this is what happened last time. This is what you need to remember. These are the characters. Have fun. And that they could definitely include in the audio book, which they don't always do and print editions, because I'll go to Bookshare and pull the print edition to just to see if there's anything not included. And there usually is, there's a glossary or uh, author's interview or notes and things that sometimes are not included in the audiobook, which is very annoying because yes. you feel like you're missing something, even though the audiobook is described as on a bridge because the actual novel content is there, but the apparatus that supports the text is sometimes Im- amended or alighted or totally excluded. Yep. And like I said, on that note, I'll hand it over to Julie. 
Okay, that those sound like wonderful. Well, I, I, you know, I can vouch for the Black Witch Chronicles. I'm, you know what, shoot, I'm only halfway through the other one. I should finish it. I get started on these books and then I get distracted. <laughs> Which one are you partly through with? You said, um, uh, whatever the the latest one is, the third one. Is it? It's, Isn't it the third one? Yeah. Is the third one is is like two novels. One is a prequel to the series. The other one goes between the first two. One is the the light. I think the light mage. It's about Sejelen. I think her name is, and the other one deals with the woman. Uh, what is her name? The one who grew up in the woods, um, Ellen, or uh, forget her name, but her parents, the ones who die. She's being raised by her uncle, and you learn in that book that she is the black witch. But the uncle lied and told her she had no magic. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, he. Um, it. He's telling her she has so that's no magic. Between books one and two. Uh, I think it's called the, there's one called the, the rebel mage. And I think one is the light wand and those, those, those fit in between. Like I said, this is complex. This is another complicated, these fantasy people really get into world building, you know, and you're expected. I think if you're a fantasy writer today, you're expected to come up with an elaborate world an elaborate religion an elaborate. Oh, there's a good story to go with it. Yeah. You do need the good story to go with it, but they want all of the world building too. Um, I'm a little bit, annoyed with like i said with the liars not because there's stuff in there i know i'm missing i don't understand the the they seem to be using a dating system for each of the entries in each chapter and i'm not sure what they are because i can't find out like what the what the um there are 10 months of 36 days and i learned that by visiting the author's website and the author is actually two authors writing under a pseudonym marie brennan is one of them alex carrick i think is the other one and they're writing under a pseudonym because they both have their own works and this is a collaboration they're doing and of course they have the web they have their website and they have a blog because you have to do social media now or, you, or publishers won't touch you <laughs> and so they're doing the blog Some of well, that's i don't know if i'm gonna end up Pardon? Oh, sorry <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know uh, if i'm gonna end up elaborately building a world because i'm trying to bring back the classic fantasy characters and I'm not really sure I'm just writing a rough draft I'll have to figure out the world I you know I've never done this before so I don't know how elaborate it's going to be I've done it before boy it's a pain in the butt I probably spent more time on world building than I have on the actual story over the last 15 20 years which so don't do that. <laughs> I mean do that yeah because it's I important but make sure you focus also on the actual story because a lot of those things that I've real I've realized this a lot of the things that you're world building, they'll just kind of fall into place as you write the story. You don't have to write about oh the entire God. society a lot of the right. time because do, what will eventually happen is you'll you'll be writing something and you realize, oh, well, why does this happen? And you realize, oh, okay, this is why this happens. And then you'll be able to put part of the society in there. Same with magic. I mean, you have to make it make sense. But. Yeah, do make your magic make sense and make the magic have rules. Magic oh, yeah. and all its fantasies have rules like who is allowed to do it, who can do it. Is it a skill you learn? Is it an innate skill you have that you have to study? Are there gods that are going to come down? So I don't like some of the fantasy where the gods jump into the fantasy and they act like spoiled children. I don't. I like the gods to be a little bit. So focused. you don't like gods in general, then, because most of them do that. In yeah, most of them do. Reality. In this in this liars not series, they tend to they tend to be more abstract. And in well, the Iron Witch Chronicle series, they're there, but again, they tend to they don't tend to turn into like ten foot tall people who come in and start turning everybody into stones or something. True, but think of it this way though. 
people will will forgive a good story if it doesn't have the greatest world, world building. But if you don't have good world, if you don't have a good story, then the world, all the world building in the world is not going to matter. No, it's tinsely. Yeah, right. So you gotta you gotta find a good balance between the two. You remember your fantasy? Yeah, well, tropes. I figure I'll, I'll finish writing the rough draft and then I'll figure out, you know, like what yeah, parts, you know. Mm-hmm. So probably your first draft is not going to be great, and that's completely okay because that usually is how it goes. You're getting the story out on paper or whatever you use, and after it's out on paper, you realize, okay, this this is a start, and then you just kind of go go for there. Yeah. Well, you've That's seen okay. my writing from a long time ago, but I've never tried to write a fantasy novel. So. Well, you have, actually, because you sent it to me. Pardon? Maybe not my classic fantasy, but you've definitely written, written some fantasy stuff. I've, Urban, I've urban fantasy is fun sometimes because oh, it's, I love it is, it's, set, it's set in our world or close to it, and it can be people maybe who who have secret abilities handed down in their family and it's mm-hmm. contemporary and it can be really it's different i think from magical realism the south american literary tradition though at least in some ways and i prefer it to magical realism uh, uh, urban know, fantasy yeah i still to this day i have no idea what magical realism actually is but i totally agree with about urban fantasy it's probably one of my favorite genres honestly i really enjoy it I don't sure. write it myself, but I definitely enjoy it. Charles DeLint writes it. It's so different from the slow-moving fantasy of Guy Gavriel <laughs> Kay, who, who, who moves very slowly in his, or Diana Gabaldon, who can't seem to finish her multi-volume nine book, <laughs> Outlander, which needs one more book, and I hope she can get all these strings tied up because I've read everything. Though if somebody told me, if I had never read her and somebody told me today there are nine books, that would be too much. That is hundreds and hundreds of hours of reading. You would have no time to do anything else. Those books are not short. Double speed. Yeah, yes. I do, <laughs> but even still, it's long. Oh. It is, yeah. A lot of of her books are 60 hours long. Fantasy is amazing in that its publishers allow its writers to write books that can be on average 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 hours. Even historic fiction in its heyday barely got to 60 hours. I I used to love historic fiction and still read it, but fantasy is sort of the new historic fiction in the way it's so long. The benefit of having somebody with that many books who's already written that many books is you're not waiting for years until the next book gets published until you catch up and then you are. Oh, I did 2014 till this year to read then book number nine. I hope she doesn't oh, take as long. So she could wife. die. She could die before the last one comes out. I hope not. <laughs> I hope she has night. hope she has notes they can finish. Remember Robert Jordan. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. Somebody else had to write his book. Apparently very well, but yeah. Brandon Brandon Sand. Yeah. And he's long-winded too with those with that society with the metals, <laughs> those metal filings they eat to do different things. I forget what that's I, called. I think fantasy is meant to be long. It's okay. it's not, you know, that's I feel it because even like the Sword of Truth series. Oh Lord, that's was really what, long. And the Lord of the Rings was long. Within the series. You know, like I Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Well, it has it was yeah, still it long, you know. Uh, Throne of Glass is long. Like, I don't know if fantasy, heck, even Harry Potter was long. If you really look at all of the details and the minutiae that was put in there, there's a lot of stuff to process, you know, and the books got longer and longer. So I feel like if you're going to read fantasy, just expect to read long books. That's just how it works. 
I do. And the the big thing is, if you don't like it, don't read it. What I mean by that is simply is that, you know, if it's not grabbing your attention, there's so much of it. I mean, I love Outlander. I'm rereading it and I love it. I think it's, there's always something new. I love the TV series. It's fantastic. And I'm excited. The new shows are coming out now. So it's something to look forward to on Sundays. And Well, you have you know, Go I, Tell the Bees that I've gone, her last one. Yeah, yep, I've read the them bees. all. Yeah. I'm just hoping yeah. I'll be around when the last one comes. <laughs> just because. What I do like, she, she does, uh, from what I understand, she used to be a researcher. Yeah, she's a um, professor. Exclusively. So, I mean, she, it's, it's definitely you can see where all of her research is. Oh, it's historic fantasy. Warranted it's legitimate. and definitely. But yeah, she's, I don't even know how old she is. She's getting up there in years, but you know. got to be in the 60s. And it's fantasy okay. because of the time travel. If there weren't the time travel in there, it would be history. Oh, yeah. It, it, it breaches yeah, multiple it's genres. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get past book five. <laughs> I tried twice and then I gave up. Quite a crowd in here tonight. I, I mean, trouble. I did have to. I had to speed yeah. it up. To be honest, like I normally read my all my books at one point five normally. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so I'm I'm very hyperactive. Everything. I'm just like, okay, hurry up, hurry up. You know, <laughs> read, read, read. I can't stand anything higher than that, but yes, it does help. Yeah. It I mean, every now and then I'll slow it down, but most of the time I just, you know, I process things at a faster rate, I suppose. It depends on the narrative. I can I can do some at two 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 times normal. Some I can go as high as three, but it depends on the narrator and how much of an accent they have. Some British people read fast to start with, and they have a different accent. And some of the accents in Outlander are this heavy Scottish accent, so I can't always go quite as fast. I would love. I will be very curious to see how she gets Claire and everybody. Will they stay back there? Or are they coming back? And will she get everybody? Will she get Blair? Will she get Brianna and Roger and the kids? Will everybody? Will it all tie up neatly? I have a worry that it's some of that's going to be rough. All these spoiler questions and more are to be answered in five years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or in the afterlife. Sure, she's got to be getting up there at this point. She's got to be in her sixties, I think. Davina Porter, yeah. who read who read the commercial versions, I caught an interview with her. I believe it was on Behind the Mic, which is a podcast that discusses mm. audiobooks. She feels she probably won't be able to read the next one if it takes another eight or nine years because she's in her 80s now. Oh, wow. She's really? seven. Diana Gabaldon wow. is 70. Oh, okay. oh, there you go. Well, I hope so. she can finish. Davina Porter's in her 80s, the narrator. Now, wow. in the, in well, the, in the Bard version... Barbara Caruso and Susan Torin read some of the early ones on board, and they also did an excellent. I was glad to hear all three of them. But Davina Porter is excellent. As well, the fact that they got the same narrator for so many books over so long of time is pretty impressive. Same thing happened with Nick Sullivan with uh, the Sword of Truth series, but even that was not that many years. I oh, like yeah. um, Sam Chichubas for Sword of Truth. Yeah. Oh. Um, I would say he's probably my favorite um, just because he's so animated and he reads with so much emotion, you know, Um, a bit intense. If if you're kind of like, whoa, okay, dude, chill out, you know, (laughs) but um, you know, I like all of that energy and 
Uh, he really, I, I, I'm guessing he must have been an actor or he is an actor because he. They often are. You know, he Walmart. really put, he really will put a lot of emotion into what he's reading. Well, as a voice actor myself, I can definitely tell you that a lot of um, reading audiobooks absolutely is, it's, it is acting. It has to be. And if it's not, even, even people who don't do different voices, you know, they still act if they're decent at it. Is he the same narrator who did like the very, the, like the much later stuff, like after book 12 came out? Or is that somebody else entirely? I'm just trying to think. Um, he him. did all of them. Oh, well, yeah, no, I, I've read all the ones on, by Nick. I've done the, like the first 12 were by Nick Sullivan. Who I, I, I feel the oh. same way you do about, about this guy, about him, with him. Is He's such a good narrator. Oh, right. But I'm trying to think who the other one that I read would have been then. I'll have to look. I have, yeah, a, I know, I have, one, um, I have the later ones on Audible, so I'll have to take a look. Yeah, it is on Audible for sure because that's I got the 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 version of his on from the Audible. So ah, that's probably why. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nick Solomon was with the uh, like the the actual talking book versions back in the ancient times when that was a okay. thing. Okay, I think I know CNID the and the RNIB. Yeah. He is very. He did a very very good job, and he actually pronounced the names correctly, which helped as well. But not that I care too much about that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. That's a nice thing. You have choices with that series. Hey, do you have any book for us, uh, Marshall, if you're still here? Currently unmuted. Yeah. I reread the Family Spies trilogy by Mercedes Lackey. It's part oh, yeah. of the Valdemar series. It takes place after the Collegium Chronicles, which take place after Arrows of the Queen, which takes place after, I think it's called the Black Griffin Goodness. trilogy. Um, because I have, I just can't find things I want to read anymore on Bard. They just don't, don't grab me and it isn't just fantasy it's science fiction and mysteries they just i've gone back to rereading the series that i've read in the past because i just don't like the newer series this one takes place as i said after the collegium chronicles and has the same characters in the collegium chronicles except mags and amelie have now had three children. And this follows the children's adventures. Um, the first one, which I think is titled The Hills Have Spies, takes place in the Pellegrine Forest. Cindy Garcia Williams has left the meeting. And the son gets captured by this madman who has mind control capabilities and traces the events of the, that of the son. Then the next one involves the daughter who is a, has a power to tell when some about structural failings. It starts out with a bridge collapsing underneath her. And the last one, 
covers the adventures of the third child who has to go rescue one of the, I think they're called sleep givers. They're a nation of assassins. And one of them goes somewhere to get some information about magic and is captured by the Cassites. And it discusses how she get, manages to escape and it has water element or elementals, an air elemental, a water elemental, a fire elemental. And it's just enjoyable. Um, so I recommend the whole series, but you do have to read them in order. The only books I didn't like were the Magic's Price, Magic's Pro Promise, and Magic's Pawn. I didn't oh, particularly I really like those books. I didn't particularly like those. They take place after the Black Griffin series, but before the Arrows of the Queen series. And I'm I'm waiting for her to for her to put out the last book in the beginning of Valdemar series, which the, she's got two out of the three. Oh, she has I, two out. I couldn't do the first one. I guess I should try again. Well, I th I'm going to wait till she gets the third out. Um. And hopefully oh. they'll they'll be enjoyable. But I think writers get tired. They do. After a while. I think I I'm pretty sure that happened to Anne McCaffrey in the Dragon Rider series because I think she got tired after the uh, Oh, the, the one with the dolphin, the Dolphins of Pern. I think she started getting tired of that series. And then she turned them over to her son. And that was the biggest mistake she ever made. Because I could not get into any of the books he wrote. They were all time travel. And by the time you got through, you were so confused, you didn't know what was going on. I hope I'm not driving people away. Um, <laughs> Somebody come back or did they just leave? David left. No, two left. And so did Cindy. Um, two. Who left? Cindy and someone else? David. David. Oh, <laughs> all the people. So I guess I'd better shut up. I must be getting <laughs> long-winded. Anyway... Luck to everybody. Hmm. Well, hope they come back. Hmm. We didn't even get to hear what Cindy's books were. Uh, did you read anything, Remy? Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of everything I read, but I'm reading one right now. I actually really hit the jackpot with this one because it's on Audible and it's actually three books all like 20 hours long, but they decided they to package it in a single volume. So the whole thing is like 65 hours long, actually 67. Um, but it is, uh, it's actually really, I'm actually quite enjoying it. Ironically, it's a lot 
similar. It's very similar to what I shared the last time we had one of these a couple of months ago. Um, what I'll do, rather than just trying to bumble my way through trying to figure, uh, trying to explain it to you, I'm just going to read the book jacket because I feel like it'll do a better job. <clears throat> so it's basically described as American gods meet the Avengers. Uh, there we go. Panternus combines myths from around the world in a modern adventure of action and intrigue that is urban fantasy at the sur on the surface, but so much more at its core. Uh, yeah. Uh, fantastically fun and Im immensely epic. The Paternus trilogy is a powerhouse urban fantasy that explores the, the very edge of what um, uh, the, sorry, that explores the possibility on the edge of what this what this genre has to offer. And it is glorious. Um, highly, highly recommended, they say. Now, <clears throat> uh, so even myths have legends. And not all le legends are myth. Um, when a local hospital is attacked by strange and frightening men, Fiona Patterson and Zeke Prisco save a catatonic old man named Peter and find themselves running for their lives with creatures out of myth, myth and legend pounding their every step. Uh, in order to survive, they must join up with powerful allies against an ancient evil that is known by many names and feared by all. The, the final battle of the world's oldest war has begun. And so basically what it ends up being is it's very much, you, you imagine any of the myths and legends that have existed throughout time, anything from like the biblical, biblical myths and legends all the way to Roman gods and, and you, may, you name it, it's probably in here somewhere. And basically it's all of these creatures and all of these beings are actually very, very, very real. And many of them have actually gone by different names. So sometimes they have, uh, Sometimes they've actually incorporated a single being into several different myths and legends throughout history, which is really interesting because they kind of it really goes into a lot of those myths and legends to kind of explain, like show how they're connected and why they are, you know, a single being. So it's it's very much urban fantasy kind of centered around two regular normal, well, what we think to be regular normal humans and just kind of how the world is turned upside down by the, you know, the, the, the understanding and the knowledge that, you know, everything they've kind of always read about is actually real. And it's, it's actually really, it's very well written. It's got some very interesting mythology. It's got some, uh, some very interesting twists on certain mythological figures. Um, and yeah, no, I, I really quite enjoyed it. I'm only, I'm only like halfway through book two, but so far it's, uh, it's definitely one to, it's one to watch for. And the narrator is decent. What's the title and author? Oh, yeah. I never did say it. It's uh, Paternus, and it's by Dirk, Ash Dirk Ashton. Dirk Ashton, okay. And like I say, the narrator is, he's okay. He, he reads well. He doesn't have a whole lot of different character voices, although the ones he does do are, are not too bad. Uh, which is, I only say that because there's so many, you, you know, interesting characters and some of them are quite terrifying and disturbing. And I feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity having this particular narrator narrate this particular series. I feel like a lot of other narrators probably could have done a better job. This guy is okay, though. Like, he definitely isn't a bad narrator. He just, I don't know, he shouldn't be narrating this type of book. 
That's annoying when that happens. Like I said, it's still still very much worth it. And he is he's definitely not a bad narrator. He does at least give them mostly distinct voices. Yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Cool. Well, my book is The Son Son of the Black Sword by Larry. Um, oh gosh, what is his last name? It's like Kerr. Korea, I think. Um, and um, yeah, I know I promised that I'd finish that other book by Siri, um, Tasha Siri, or Siri Tasha, I guess he refers it, The Death and Throne, but I, I don't know. I didn't care to go back to it, so that's just kind of weird. But this book is the first, I think it's a trilogy. It's called The, the Saga of the Forgotten Warrior, book one. And it's the one I was telling Phoebe about a couple uh, weeks ago. Um, so this person named Ashok, um, is part of this elite, uh, protectorate who goes around enforcing the law basically. Um, and he has this ancestor blade in, in Groovadal, but I don't want to give the plot away too much, but it turns out that he isn't who he thinks he is. And then he has to like, um, he gets ordered to like go. Um, basically serve the other side and that that he doesn't like that because that's like he's being ordered to do something that um, it's a, it's an interesting punishment for, for what ends up happening. Um, but I know that's a bad summary. I just don't want to give away the whole plot. <laughs> yeah, that's why I read the book summary online because I didn't want to do the same Yeah, I mean, it says that in the book jacket that his life is a lie, and because he's given this letter, and uh, by this one of his great teachers, and he says, "Well, you can either you know read it or throw it in the fire, but make up your mind because you know he won't be the same." So of course he reads it. <laughs> of course, I mean, what else would you do? They're a very boring series. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to throw this in the fire. I'm good. <laughs> Well, I take it David and Cindy have not returned. I haven't heard anybody else come back. Pardon? I said I, I haven't heard anybody else come back. And according to yeah. our wonderful little, uh, what do we have here? Um, how many people do we have? We have five, yep, five participants. So, yep, they have not come back. <laughs> Oh, that's unfortunate. At least David gave his book summary before he left. Oh, oh, I think that was in the very, very beginning. Yes. Okay, I thought I was on time. Clearly, you guys started early, early. Like two minutes early. Ah, yeah. uh, I remember that. So much for being fashionably late. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. Sorry, I sent you the link last minute. That's okay. I usually, I mean, if, you, if they end up being around six o'clock, I'm usually pretty free after I get off work. So it's not a big deal. Oh, okay. And Phoebe and, didn't show up. Huh? Phoebe was here, wasn't she? I don't know who Phoebe oh, is, but I'm yeah. sure I remember seeing her name here. Oh, yeah? Oh. You still here? 
Hello. Oh, hi. Okay, okay, yeah. I wasn't sure if I was muted or not, but anyway. Um, I guess I could, well, the only fantasy book that I read in the past month is um, not unbarred. So, I mean, I can talk about it really quickly. Um, Do people only read books unbarred here? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't even have Bart. I guess. I can't even access Bart. I'm Canadian. I'm not worthy of Bart. Actually, I'm not sure if the book I read was on Audible, but I think it probably is. Um, Because I just got the ebook version from my local library. Um, But uh, the title is Summers at Castle Auburn uh, by Sharon Shin. And um, it's kind of a coming of age uh, story, which I typically don't like, but um, this one was really, I think, like just well written, I guess, or beautifully written. I wouldn't say well written because it was a bit shallow, but um, anyway, <clears throat> it starts with um, this, I think, 14 or 15 year old girl. Um, she is uh, going on a um, hunt with her uncle and um, some uh, loyal people uh, from the castle. Um, the you know, and um, she is uh, the illegitimate, illegitimate child of. Um, an illegitimate child of a noble person. Um, So she's, you know, kind of important, but um, still not as important as like a real noble. Um, But she's going um, on this hunting trip with her uncle, who is a noble and um, the prince of the kingdom and uh, the prince's cousin, I think. And anyway, um, they are going to hunt these uh, people called Alira, who are basically like fae um, creatures. Um, and um, they, the Alira have uh, the power to uh, enchant people, um, especially by touching people, they can, you know, make them obey whatever they say. And uh, they, uh, the Alira are uh, very um, weak to metal, especially gold. Um, so everyone in their hunting party is wearing gold, uh, except for the main character's uh, uncle, um, because he... Uh, it's his main job to hunt these uh, Alira, and so he doesn't wear gold usually, uh, so that they will get close and get trapped by him. And so um, the main girl is named Corey, and as you know, they're going on this trip. She uh, believes that. They're, they probably won't actually run into any Alira because, um, you know, they're traveling with 
the prince and um she uh doesn't think that uh they will actually go anywhere um dangerous uh because of how important the prince is um but they go they end up uh heading to the edge of Illyria territory and um at night of course what one of the Illyria does come and um Cory overhears uh the Illyria talking to her uncle and it's kind of obvious that they know each other and um the Illyria tries to tempt the uncle into like uh walking into Alira territory with her. And meanwhile, the uncle is trying to get the Alira um, to get close enough to get captured um, because of what they do with the captured Alira is uh, just basically enslave them. And um, so um, they, and that, um, happens at night and uh, the conversation between the Illyra and uh, Corey's uncle happens at night and in the morning um, the uncle pretends that nothing happened and they end up going back to the castle um, but this um, uh, makes the main character start thinking about uh, real, the moral problems of whether it's okay to enslave these uh, the Lyra who are as intelligent as humans and um, the humans say that it's fine because Lyras have been known to like steal humans away especially children um, although, but the Lyra who was talking to uh, Corey's uncle claims that the humans in their land are free to leave whenever they want, but their land is so nice that no one ever wants to leave. Um, and then uh, it skips forward a few years, uh, and Corey's older, and uh, just uh, she starts seeing like kind of the darker parts of the castle um, because she. Um, Normally, she spends most of her time uh, with her maternal grandmother just as a herbalist slash witch in a small village. Um, and that's her dream is to grow up and be like a, a healer, which just like her grandmother, um, but everyone, all the nobles at the castle um where she spends her summers uh they think that um she will eventually marry you know one of the nobles uh for the good of the kingdom even if she is you know an illegitimate uh she still has noble blood um but you know she would rather just to be free to do what she wants and anyway the rest of the story has her kind of growing up and seeing like the darker parts of life 
as like she eventually realizes that she hates the fact that her uncle um, catches these people and enslaves them. Um, And she also, you know, realizes that the prince who is, you know, the most handsome guy in the land is also kind of a horrible, horrible person. And um, she, you know, worries for her half-sister who is um, supposed to marry the prince. Uh, And anyway, that's that story. And as I said earlier, I, well, I liked it a lot because mostly because of the writing, um, honestly, it's, the plot was okay, but kind of predictable and, well, it did hold my interest, which is more than I can say for anything else I read this month. And it's pretty short. I finished the whole thing in an afternoon. So, but yeah, the writing, especially um, the descriptions of the the Lyra magic were really beautiful, I think. And you supported the local business. So great. (laughs) Well, I guess. I mean, it's the libraries. Libraries Yeah. Nobody comes to them. They disappear. I actually haven't been to the library in years, but... You know, I guess the still using their services, so that counts. <laughs> well, cool. We had a nice round of books people shared. With my, well, I don't have a lot of it isn't built yet, but with my world, it's complicated because there's like. I need to decide how many races are going to like be on which continent and stuff. Cause I don't think I want all of the races on one continent. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> and I'd have to make up a magic for every single one of the darn things. <laughs> Honestly, you don't need to, I mean, it's, it's important. It is to know you don't really need to worry too much about the locations of things until, you know, until you kind of written the story, unless you've actually got a map drawn out, nobody's going to care until it actually becomes relevant. No, I don't have a map. I don't really do maps, so. <laughs> I think so, but you never know. You never know what's, what's available these days. I've actually really wanted to do a map myself, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't really actually done it. Because I'm actually running into that problem where, the, you know, it's like I've got several continents and certain certain races or, or cultures are on each continent. And it's, it's hard to it's hard to kind of keep, keep it all on, on, you know, in the back of your mind. Then I realized, wait a minute. Until I actually, you know, until it becomes relevant, I don't need to worry about it all that much. And now it's actually yeah. starting to become relevant. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is that a lot of the details will fall into place kind of naturally as you write. Yeah. That's what I've noticed over my ridiculously long world-bearing building experience. <laughs> I mean, everybody does it differently, so don't take my words as gospel by any means, but no, I think you're right. I think I just need to keep writing it. Because um, the, the magic system, the little part that I know is kind of interesting. Like, each magic is kind of like a person. Like, they have personalities, and, like, you have to... And then, like, sometimes the 
personality of the magic and the personality of the person come into conflict and then like what happens then and stuff. So I don't know. Okay. Thank you. I don't want to say I'm doing anything quite, quite similar to what you're doing because I'm not, but I kind of, I it's in the vaguely the same vein. So I, I can definitely get behind what you're saying. Currently unmuted. Zoom.us has new window. Well, have a good evening, everybody. See you next month, maybe. Okay. Yes. Okay. Good evening. night, everyone. This was a good session. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye. Hold up. Audio now. Please need a brief. Please need a. Please need a. Cancel. Please need a.